This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hello and welcome to Zero Pucks Given, the UK ice hockey podcast. We are sponsored by the Hockey Art Co, hockey clothing for hockey people, worn by the best and hated by the rest. Listeners to Zero Pucks Given get a 10% discount off everything site-wide at hockeyartclothing.co.uk. So make sure you head there and check it out once you're done listening to this, of course. This is episode 60, then a bonus episode this week, uh, as I said in episode 59, going to do a little trial of separating the match reports and the interviews. So we, we've put a couple of episodes out a week and all the match reports will be in one place and then the interview will be in another. And uh, and then we'll see how we go. Um, and if you don't like it that way and you prefer it the old way, let me know. If you like it this way, do let me know. As I said, the feedback is just invaluable. Be it good or bad, I always want to hear the feedback. So in this episode then, there's not been anything too drastic come out in the news over the last couple of days. It does appear that, as we said in the last episode, this... Uh, rebrand of the EIHA is going to happen. There was a, a little post I saw today with some core values that they're going to be going for as English ice hockey. We will just see and see how that all fades out. It's actually a subject that Alan and I touch on in this chat. Uh, and we got so down casually into just having a chat. I actually forgot to ask him half the stuff I wanted to ask him, <laughs> but it's a, it's still a good chat. Alan's a great talker. Obviously, we lifting the curtain. We recorded this on Monday, so it's just after the Chieftains' overtime victory against Invicta. So we discussed that as well as some of Alan's career and uh, and just his thoughts generally on the game. So we'll get to it now. I really do hope you enjoy it. This is my chat with Chelmsford Chieftains captain Alan Lack. Zero Pucks Given, in partnership with the Hockey Art Co, uh, presenting Chelmsford Chieftains captain Alan Lack. How are you doing this evening, mate? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm really, really well. Thank you so much for joining me. Uh, we, we've got to start with last night, mate. What a game. Yeah, it was a great game. Great way um, to come back from a... Well, we had a great first shift, let's put it that way, as a team. Mm. Um, Ollie's landed really well. See up the, uh, the lead, first of all. And then... I don't know what happened, really. Three quick goals from them after that. But then it just showed true character within our team to bring the game back in into a line and then just bow all the way through. Um, yeah, everyone has ups and ups and down games and a lot of the players weren't having the best of games, but that's when you rely on other people to, you know, do their job and you just got to close the game out as, as and how you can, you know what I mean? 
um, against a, a strong Invicta side. So that's where you got to take every game to the last minute, which we did. Yeah, I think psychologically there's always been something with Invicta as well. It's you know it's, it's a little bit of a local derby. There's a little sort of triangle of Invicta, the Buccaneers, and Chelmsford. Last season they had Chelmsford number ten games. They won nine of them. Yeah. So it's, yeah, I think and we're we're two and one, aren't we? I think this year against them. So it's. Yeah, we yeah. So we had a similar reaction to the, in their bomb where we left it too late last when we went to theirs. Um, that's the first time we played them. And then obviously the game previously to this one, that was just uh, us showing us the league of what we can do and if we all put our minds what our abilities. And then last night it was just, yeah, we were Kinger and the Bart brought, brought the twins down. But we still got to find ways, you know. You can't just rely on missing a few players and just giving up. You no. have to, you know, everyone's got a role within the team and you've got to play that way. To get the results at the end of the day, you have to rely on it, the whole team. Everyone's got an individual role, but you're a team at the end of the day. And that's where the, the coaches, the captain, assistant captains are there to help everyone get through it. You know, obviously, we've got a lot of experience in this team now with Cliffs brought in, which helps the original Chelmsford guys out, but also helps um, everyone else out. So, no, it's it's a big difference to what I've seen Chelmsford in the past, this yeah. season to previous. Was there a few stern words at the end of the first period by Cliff? Yeah, you could say that. Cliff's not a shout in person, though. Cliff's not a shout in person. He's he just he he's picked his team for a reason because everyone he knows that they can perform. So it, it, there's a lot of players. If you start shouting at a player, it doesn't go anywhere. Mm. Like. It, it doesn't go anywhere. It just goes in one ear and out the other. It's more, look, let's go back, refocus, resettle, restart. And that's it, you know. Yeah, it's 3-1 at the end of the first, but it's not the end of the day, you know. Like two weeks ago, we put five past them in a period. Yeah. It's not the end of the day. So just relax, settle your head, because certain teams will panic. Certain teams will, you know, worry about it. But it's not. it's not... Because you're three one down at the end of the first, the game's over. It's it's far from over, you know. And then that's just shows where the, the true character and experience. And that was probably the difference between the two teams last night. We just had more higher end experience than they did, you know. Like I said, I I went very well last night. I battled through all last night, and I didn't particularly have a great game. But like me and Cliff spoken about it, it's like, but you did everything that was right or what you could have done, shutting down players, you know. And and that was. That was all that was required. Mm. Um, Even right down to overtime, where you know, I noticed another fan remarked that you held the puck in the offensive zone so that we could change D line, yeah, without so, being under pressure. Yeah, so that's that's just a technique. Like everyone goes in overtime, you should take loads of shots. And like even like Jameson is is wealth of knowledge, way more than mine. Most experienced player on the team by far, and he'd set out keep the puck. The biggest thing is keeping the puck. Yeah, only go for a shot when you've got full control. But then, so I came on first. There was the first guy on the ice from the change. And I noted, um, I think it was Ollie and Jameson needed a change. So I just held the puck. I weren't being pressured, so I just held the puck as I knew. Then Ethan Reed was coming out and Damo was coming out. So that that's what it was. Yeah, I've got to take three attackers on me at one point. But 
that's where probably the best part of my game is. I can I can handle the pressure and then I can pass it out. And that's exactly, exactly what happened. They all drew to me and I gave it to Damo. Damo did his absolutely unreal goal. Well, mm. I, then, I, then I went and got a change. And that's what overtime is about. you just got to keep the high percentage of the um, the play. Yeah, you got to wait, wait for your two-on-ones, I suppose, isn't it? Rather than, than sort of trying to force it early. Yeah, exactly that. You've got to wait, you got to wait it out. And obviously, it's three-on-three, so there's a lot more ice. Mm. So you, you got you well. Some say wait out. Some say go out attack. I play for two different coaches, and uh, well, I play for a lot of coaches. But some say attack. Some say keep keep the puck. And this one seems to work a little bit better than just go full out attack because then you just get countered straight away, and normally that ends the game. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's it's still a great two points. I'm sure as much as as exciting as it was, I think we'd all we'd all like a little bit more of a. Breathing space, a bit of breathing space, and that. But it, it, was, it uh... shouldn't, it shouldn't have gone that way. It shouldn't have gone that way. But Invicta played their game right. They did well. So you, yeah, you've got to give credit to them. They battled all the way to the end. Yeah, I noted in my match report for the um the match reports episode that I think Jordan stood on his head towards the end of the first. Otherwise, it could have been a lot worse than three one. Yeah, hundred percent. And we all knew that. We all knew that. Not you know, not every player is going to have the best games every single game. You know, um. But that's where experience comes in. Like Lord, Lord is, yeah, I would say the best goal in the league, definitely. Yeah, Milton's there up there, but Lord is really still in his head, especially with everything going on at home, having a new baby as well. Mm. The performance he put in last night was incredible. At the end of the day, yeah, I think it's something a lot of Chelsea fans do appreciate. Actually, is that the obviously the guys that that have come with Cliff this year, you've got that experience at a higher level. Um, but we appreciate, you know, not everyone's going to be a hundred percent every game. So it's um, and the way it's, it's all coming also, together, you're like an entirely new group, really, aren't you? Yeah. So I, Mark Sauna's rebuilt it the year previously, right? So he had a big rebuild. Obviously, things didn't work out well, hmm. you could say. And obviously, Kiss come in here and he's kept only two of the rebuild, and you know, he's brought in a lot more higher end talent. That yeah, players are not necessarily wanting to travel as far, but also you know there's other reasons that it works out better for them. Like mm. for myself, I've got I've got three kids, and it just works out better for me. I don't want to be going to Leeds and Hull and all that. Yes, I'd offers to go play in the league, but it wasn't for me to do that. Where 15 minutes down the road, it's much more beneficial to me to go play for the likes of you or someone a uh, lot closer to home. But the experience he's brought in is that's that's where it 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 benefits Chelmsford in, in a in a massive way. And I've had a good chat with the twins and it's been hard for them over the last year because they feel like where's the support and where's the other people with experience? Yeah. And they're young at the end of the day. So Cliff's done a really good job bringing in some high end experience to really bolster the lineup. Yeah. Uh, I I really enjoyed Cliff's uh appearance on 4,000 and counting a couple of weeks back um, yeah. talking about his, his coaching career and coaching style. One decision he made quite early that I think every single Chieftains fan was incredibly ecstatic with was giving you the C. Yes. Is that yeah. a role you've taken on before? I've, I've done like assistant captain. I was assistant captain for the Bees last year. Mm. Like, um, I was captain for the old Buccaneers team. Yeah, I've got your elite prospects up here, but it, it's burnt me in the past, so I'm not going too gospel by it. <laughs> yeah, no, I've, I've, yeah, elite prospects is pretty much right. Mm. But I've always been, 
uh, an energy player or a leader a leader within a team. Like Cliff knows me, it's set an example um, within the room. And I do hold people accountable. I'm not one to lie that. But even if myself, I'm not playing well, I'll, I'll, I'll hold my hand up. I do stuff wrong. But at the end of the day, it's the other stuff that goes on the ice. Yeah. And off the ice that I think Cliff saw and he wanted to give it to me. So, yeah, it's just, I think it's just the energy I bring to the ice and the way I play is that's the main reason, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah, like like I said, every every as soon as we saw the sort of the first game and no one had a sort of C on the jersey and everyone was like, Oh, who's gonna be the captain? It was straight away as soon as everyone saw you on the ice, it was like, Yeah, it's gotta be Alan Lack. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We we knew the first game before pre season. The first mm-hmm. sorry, the first training the last the last training before pre season, I say it that way. Uh who was the captains and who's the assistants. And he's done it's honestly done the right pick. Yeah, he's done. He he has done the right pick. Um, obviously, I'm well respected as I believe I am within the team. Um, and the Bartlett's are they're a big character within the room, and they they know everything to do with the league. They've been there years, and they know Chelmsford in and out. They're like the blood of the team. Um, so yeah, I think it was the right call to be honest. How how was the room after the result last night? Was it bouncing? Yeah, it was really good. Really, really good. Um, it, yeah, a lot of tired bodies in there. A lot of tired bodies. Obviously, we're missing three. But it's also, like, what I've realised, it's nice seeing some of the kids out there as well, getting some yeah. nice time. Like, that that hasn't happened in the first month or two of the season because you've got to get used to the team that we've got first. And it's a whole, it's a whole new rebuild. So we've had to get used to that. And now they're dripping and driving in. So that's been nice to see. Yeah, Reese King particularly has actually been has been really good. Yeah, all, to be honest, all of them, mm. all of them have been really good on training sessions. They don't miss a beat in training. They're um, they're there week in week out. So you can't you can't complain. Uh, they're they're a good they're a good set of junior kids to come through. Um, yes, there is a lot of work still to go with them. Uh, but that's the part of the that's the part of the pathway at the end of the day. Yeah. Some days you might not get a shift, but the next day you might get ten, twenty shifts. You don't you don't know. So. No. But it's having that willingness, isn't it, to turn up knowing you might not get any. Exactly, and that's where a lot of the, a lot of the pathway people fall down. It's like I, I'm this really good kid at under 18s. I should get 20 shifts. Well, it doesn't mean that you can go go get 20 shifts in men's hockey. It's a completely different experience to anyone, um, especially them because it's a lot more harder. It's a lot more physical. Mm. Uh, the time you get is a lot less. So. Yeah, that that but this this that's what they are. They do understand that we haven't had many fight back about ice time or anything like that because I think they do understand. And yeah, so, yeah. So it seems like obviously with Cliff's experience that he's got, you know, as, as you were sort of alluding to earlier, the right man management style to bring the youngsters through and use the experienced players as a guide. Yeah, it's exactly that. Exactly that. It's no point of it's beating someone down if they do something wrong all the time. Well, that's what a coach coaching is about. Coaching, I'm not not screaming at them at the end of the day. Because um, they're just not going to listen to you and they'll just start losing respect for you as a person. Yeah. So let's go back to when you were a junior then. It was um, Bracknell, I think, was your, your home as a junior. Yeah, I did 18, I think 18 years in total at Bracknell. So I had... Yeah, I started Bracknell through and through. Just went to a Bees game one day and then I think it was 10 or 11 years later, lo and behold, I was playing for them. Um, 
So was that so, what yeah. it was? You, you randomly went to a game and then you were like, yeah, I want to I want to Yeah, go. I was like, I was, I was at a school and we won um, tickets to a game. So we went and watched it and then I was like, oh, I want to, I can I learn how to ice skate, basically? And then they had a thing where you went like half term, learn to skate. And then the under 10 coach at the time was the person who was, who was the person who's coaching on the ice. They're like, oh, look, why don't you try ice hockey? So in my head, I'm like, now I'm thinking, well, it's just a way of the system of getting kids into ice hockey, which is a great way, <laughs> but it's a cheeky way. Um, and that's why I just went through their junior system and then ended up from 16s, under 16s, having Lucas Smith and Gareth Cox as my coach, ironically. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, they just, they just led me all the way up and then took me to the Hornets and took me to the Bees. And then I went from there in my career. But I haven't really changed the way I play. Um, yeah, Has that taken a toll on your body, though, playing like that all the time? Massively. Yeah. It, it, it does hurt. <laughs> like now, now aging in my career, you could say, it, it does hurt. It does hurt. And it takes me a lot more. It takes me a lot more deep down digging to get there. Yeah. You know, and, and then longer deep. to recover. Yeah, I'm quite good in recovery because I'm. I look after my body really well. Yeah. Like I, I look after my nutrition and like my what my wife's a sports therapist as well, and obviously you've got Gemma as well. So I'm quite actually fortunate on that 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 rapport. And I've come off a really good um, pre-season training. I do, I do a lot of triathlons and stuff in the summer just to keep me at a still active yeah. lifestyle. So because um, I had two bad injuries last year with the bees, which put me out for about, tw- I think it was 23 games I was injured for. Wow. Yeah. So um, in total, it just, yeah, still a good year, but it was just weren't the best year I could have had. Nah. And that's when I was like, oh, let's let's evaluate traveling around the M25 four times a week and going up to all these different places and, you know, spend a bit more time with my kids and still play hockey at a good level. Yeah. Are you, a bit, you live a bit local, more local to Chelmsford then now than Bracknell? I'm Romford now. Yeah. So I'm just outside of Romford. Yeah, so, you, had, um, you had a spell with Raiders as well, didn't you? Yeah, so that goes back to 15, 16. I went, so my career when I went, I did do it. I have done a little bit of bouncing around. I played in Victor for about three weeks. I didn't get on there because obviously I went from B's under, under Smittle and Gareth Cox, which is very, very intense, very disciplined, very systemed to Kev Parrish. Um, I'm not going to say too much. It just worked my style at that point in my life. I still needed a lot more coaching. So then I went under Slava at Slough which that Slough team when I joined was the, the 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 best team probably in the league. And that's when Red Hockey Media came in for, I think it was Red Hockey, yeah, Red Hockey Media came in at Telford and basically stripped the Jets team of players offering 52-week contracts and Dan Scott goes up there and all that. And then Kieran Long goes to Basingstoke. And then so I ended up going to, the, should have been the best team to get annihilated every single week because <laughs> we just had to step on the ice. Um, the year after that, I went to Peterborough. Yes, I was, I was in Romford then. I was living in that that year. I was transitioning between Wokingham in Bracknell near Bracknell to Slough, and then I moved halfway through the year to Romford. To that's when I was getting like I moved in with my partner. Yeah. And uh, so next year I signed for Peterborough, and that was the first. Yes, yeah, so that's when Archie got born, and it was 
it was I was doing I think about three trainings a week plus games. I was doing twelve hundred miles a week, just and it was just silly. So I got to December and I was like, it was a bit hard at home. So I was like, I, I can't, I physically can't do this. I'm absolutely shattered, falling asleep on the motorway and all this sort of stuff. I couldn't do it as much as I love my time. Like Slava is a great coach, one of the coaches I do I have a lot of respect for and time for. It just got too much, so I took some time away. I went and signed for the Raiders at Lee Valley. I think they were playing out. I took a couple of weeks off mm. and signed for, and then yeah, I think then I went to Basingstoke under Doug Shepherd, which was a, another very strong team. We had Joe Greener and all that, and we won EPL that year in the league. We didn't lose a game at home all year, and that was probably my best year. I was playing with Kieran Long, who's in the Elite League, and Karpov, I don't know if you would ever remember him, but he's probably the best import I've ever played with or seen in, on British ice. Um, and we well, had I've, I've got a question actually from someone I'm sure you'll be familiar with from your time at Basingstoke. Is uh, Banners on the Wall, Anthony Russell? Yeah. As uh, just wants to know how many goals did you score off Karpov rebounds in Basingstoke? All of them. <laughs> it was either him or Kieran Long. See, this is the thing: is where a coach is good. I got told a role. My role was to, I know the system, they're going to chip it in deep, into my corner. Lackey, go get it. All right, I'll go get it. Doesn't matter who's there, I'm getting a puck. And I'll give it to either, I think I played with three imports and a forward, and Kieran Long. So there's two British players, three imports on the line. Hmm. Maybe the other, sometimes it was two imports and Kieran Long, another British player, Kurt Reynolds. So, and then from there, I was like, go to the net. Just go to the net, doesn't matter. Don't care where you're going. Let them do the work. And it was a really simple, really simple method. It worked every time yeah. because they had a person in front of them and they had a hell of a shots. And I was just picking off rebounds all season long. And that yes. was my job. It just made it so simple. Like, that is your job. And that's it. It's amazing of... how many goals are actually scored that way, either rebounds or tip-ins, oh, just from I getting every... in front of the goalie. Yeah. Every goal that year was scored. Well, apart from one, I remember when I shot one and scored. Every single other goal was a, a tip-in or a tap-in front from a rebound, and that was it. Because that's yeah. what they asked me to do, so that's what I did. Yeah. And it was, yeah, it was it, it was hard work. It was physical. It hurt a lot. Don't get me wrong, it was a lot bigger league then, and a lot bigger players. And then... Good numbers. Good numbers, and <laughs> my fists hurt a lot that year, because I was doing a lot of looking after people as well, so... <laughs> I mean, a role that you are sort of doing at Chelmsford now as well, it's... Uh... Well, I died, yeah, well, I saw this sign Cliff put together and I was like, oh, yeah, I might get a year off from doing it. You know what I mean? Being a little, well, I am, but obviously that hasn't turned out because I, I enjoy it. Yeah. I just... No, sorry, mate, go on. When the rest don't do their job, or they, 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 I have a lot of time for rest, a lot of respect for referees, but sometimes it just needs to be dealt with in a different way. Mm. And It's a thankless job, isn't it, being a ref? And... I mean, yeah. we all appreciate, you know, they're they're not they're probably only getting paid expenses if that they're doing it because yeah. they love the game. If they're not there, we haven't got a game. Yeah, so, so my my sister's in referee, and she she used to lie in the ref uh, elite league. She was right doing the last year in the elite league, and uh, she went to world champions and all that. So I have a lot of experience in refereeing lines. So I have a lot more respectful in more players because my my sister's in it. Mm. Uh, so I know what they go through. I know it's not the nicest jobs. But they also, you know, they enjoy it as well. They're not always going to, same as a player, they're not always going to have the best of nights. But, you know, sometimes it's, player, like, yeah, captains 
and your coaches just need to remind them that it's a two-way game, not just a one-way game. <laughs> and that's it. And the stuff gets out of hand, and you just deal with it in in house. No, so while we're going through the questions, actually, I've got a few that have come in from from some of the listeners. Um, how do you feel the the level in South One is now? Because obviously, you, you said you bounced around a few of the different divisions even before the restructure. So, yeah. in comparison, really, to you know your time with the Bees and the National, how's the South One sort of feeling to you? That's, it's that's not come from far, Jay Ringrose. It's it's not as good as the National League. Don't get me wrong, but it has improved from three years ago, even two years ago. Um, it's it's a lot higher standard now. It's a lot quicker. You can just tell by the amount of National League players who have dropped down this year. The speed's gone up, and obviously, yes, you haven't got. You look at Slough, for example. They've got a lot of kids coming up who are mm. very close to being National League kids who so that you know they're not far off at all and their top two lines have got a lot of experience via the beads via the pitbulls so it, it it's not far off you know this is the difference is probably the systems you're a lot more drilled in systems um there's not as much free play so that's where i'd say the line is because this uh south one you have a little bit more freedom in what you're doing um, where certain teams, like Peterborough, for example, were a very system-drilled team, Bruce Lava, you know what you're doing on every single face-off, and that's what you're doing, every single neutral zone lock and all this. Sort of, that's what you do, and that's how they close out games. Mm. Um, where this is, you have a defensive player, a neutral zone, and an offensive. You might have a couple in each, but that's it. When they're so much more drilled, because they have more ice time, they have more games, they have a lot more time to put it into a, into a game scenario. Do you think though having that that little bit of say that more time on the ice, not you know technically obviously with ice time, but with the game being a little bit more open and not reliant so much on systems, that it gives chances for players like Damon Porter, Ollie Baldock, James Pentecost, the real skillful players to sort of showcase their abilities yes. a bit more. Yeah, so it's a it's a better league for those types of players. Because they've got more time, they've got more time ability with a lot higher stick handling of capability. It's a, it's a, it's, it's a, it falls in their hands. Where if they went up to national, yeah, they'll still be good, but they'll find it a lot more harder because it's a lot more. They won't have time. Is the the biggest thing I I really struggle with the first ten games in this league was I have too much time. Mm. I wasn't used to it. I'm like, I'm either having three players hit me or I'm having no one hit me. Or I'm like, yeah, it, 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 that was my biggest, hardest thing to get over. You don't know what you're going to get until you get it. And but in the in the national league, you know what you're going to get. You're always going to have someone forcing you within a second or two seconds. So that was the hardest change for me. Where I think yes, they probably would adjust. Ollie's played in that league. Yeah. So he knows what it's about. Um, but and he was outstanding in that league. So yeah, really. Yeah, no, and yeah, I get what you mean. Get what you mean entirely. Um, Harriet Andrews has asked, "Do you like the Alan Lack song? I don't know if you've actually heard it when you've been on the ice, like, singing to feeling hot, hot, hot." Yeah, they're all good <laughs> chants. They're all good chants. Got a chant pretty early on, to be honest. So, um, yeah, it's a good little song. Good uh, little it, chant. It uh, links in with a question from Dan. It says, "Can you hear all the the crowd chanting that when you're on the ice?" 
I'm very good at blocking out. So if you, some players love the crowd, if you love the crowd, I do. Mm. But it's like last night, you need the crowd there. Massively, you need the crowd there because it gives you that extra man on the ice. But like overtime, for example, this is a great example. The my, In my head, the plexi goes white. I don't see the crowd, I don't hear the crowd. All you hear is the players. Right, and it's really weird. It's a really weird scenario um, that goes on, and you blank off everything. It's, it's, there's certain times, like in between plays, where face-offs and you're on the bench, you hear everything, and you, you that helps you. If you've got a big crowd or big cheer going on, it's wicked. It it brings you that extra buzz. But when it's quiet, it's not great. No. It's, it makes it a little bit. It's like going to play an away game. But obviously at Chelmsford, it's been absolutely phenomenal all year so far. So. I can't really complain. No, to be fair, even opposition players always say they like coming to play at Chelmsford because there's always an atmosphere going on there. Yeah, but it's, it's a crazy atmosphere. Yeah, it's something I touched on with a couple of the younger players in the league and we touched on in the men's mental health special that we did earlier yeah. this season with Zero Pucks Given, is is mentally preparing to play a game. That Obviously, you're just going out to play a sport that you've played since you were a kid, you know what you're doing, but then having yeah. that pressure perhaps of, you know, a thousand people in the barn screaming your name. But as you said, if you've managed to tunnel vision, block it out. That that kind of experience though. So that all stems back from where I went off with, I took a year out of the sport. Mm. When I hit my, I did my, I took a putt to my face. I fractured my bottom jaw, fractured my orbital bone in my eye, lost loads of teeth, everything. I came back four weeks later and played. Managed about two weeks. And then I just had a, huge breakdown mental breakdown i went to get on the ice and my body went no not going on it not going on it stay away boom and then i just shut i didn't even go in an ice rink for a year so i almost had like a, a ptsd from it yeah i was i never went in an ice rink for a year stayed away from them hated them hated that everything to do with ice hockey for about a year and then it was like that's when covid hit i think it was or maybe just just before that no covid hit after i came back and did about 10 games and then yeah, that was a break that I just think COVID was good for me, to be honest. I took a bit more time and I finally went, yeah, I do miss it now. I'll come back and play. So, um, yeah, yeah but it that's not something changed. I've spoken. Oh, it sorry, didn't change the way I played. It just made me become more alert to what you need to do before a game. Um, I do a lot more mindset and stuff at home and in the change room before a game. Even in even if I'm having a bad shift, I'll go behind and give myself some positive talk to myself to get myself back in the game. Yeah. Um, do you like do so, you visualize and manifest and things like that? Yeah, because like I I hated it for so long, and I was scared for so long. And I've always said if I was scared, I'll never get on the ice because I'm just going to get injured. I always believe if you go on the ice scared, you're going to get hurt. And don't get me wrong, it wasn't from a hit; it was from a slap shot from an Invicta player to my mouth. That did it. So it was, it was my own fault. I went the wrong way, and I put my hands up to this day. I blocked with my face, not with my legs. Um, and that's where, really, it all stemmed from. Where now I always look at myself in the mirror before a game and just give myself a, f- a little chat. And then if, if I'm having a bad shift or a bad game, like I was last night, I wash my face down and just, you know, reassert myself and reset. Yeah, it's um. It's certainly a side of it, I think, that a lot a lot of people are taking more more notice of because they're realising things within themselves that, like you say, yeah. they might need a little bit of a of a G up 
Oh, it's a hard sport like in that in the in the mental aspect. I want to see the physical aspect, but the mental aspect is extremely hard. Like you go through these crazy ways. Like even if you look at last night, you're three one down. You feel like shit. I don't know if I'm allowed to swear, but yeah, you, you feel like, you you feel like absolute crap. But then you go win the game in overtime, and you have this massive buzz. But throughout the game, there's always peaks and troughs. So it's not the easiest of sports, while being constantly head knocks and stuff like that it's not the greatest no no i've tried to explain that to a few people actually that have been sort of like coming new to it or if they ask me about it and say like oh you know why did you go and watch it and i sort of say it's like because it's not like football or anything like that because so much can happen in such a short space of time yeah it's the closest sport to it is seven aside rugby hmm. in all due respect because the speed of seven aside rugby is really fast contacts there but it's also really fast and it can change instantly because there's more space in the pitch and obviously they go under heavy contact as well yeah so it's probably the most similar sport um but it's still nothing like it. it's why it's the fastest team sport in the world and the, yeah. and probably the violence to go with it it's just a complete brain fuck at the end of the day to be <laughs> and it's and it's the the most watched indoor sport in this country as well which is sort of a brilliant yeah. growth brilliant growth of it um, I mean, on on the growth of it, we've had a few, I suppose, issues is probably the worst to say with the English Ice Hockey Association over the last few weeks, especially their Department of Player Safety is oh, putting out some incredibly random shit at the moment. Yeah, it's, it's like, don't get me wrong, I don't want to say bad things, so I get banned. And it's, it's just, yes, just figure it out, get on with it. Yes, you need ex-players, you need ex-referees to run the Department of Player Safety. Mm. Simple as that. If you have no experience, don't get involved because you don't understand the game, right? And that's that's just the truth at the end of the day. Because if you don't understand the game, you don't know what what it all is entitled. Like, is it a hit to a head, or have you hit him so hard his head swings forward and hits you? Yeah, that's that's the different. There's a completely different aspect to that. If a player escapes through the ice and you hit him straight in the middle of his chest with your shoulder and his head hits you, it's not a hit to the head. That's a clean hit. Right, but there's been calls like that. Just ten, ten games for hitting to the head. No, it's not. A hit to the head is when you, they got their head down and you take their head off, which not not many players would do because they don't want to do it. It might be the occasional un- couple, but it does need a whole restructure. Like my my thing is for like Dave Cloutman. That's a perfect role model to do it. He's yeah. ref me for years. A guy, yes, he understands the game, right? He understands the game. He's reffed it for absolute donkey's years. He understands why some players do stuff and some players don't do it. So he has a great, vast knowledge and experience of it. Is he going to be biased towards a club? Probably not, because he's been a referee. So they just need to get... The biggest thing is getting on with it. It's time at the end of the day. Yeah. Like, we're, we're in December and we still can't figure it out. And also, it's been fine for 10 years beforehand with little teething problems, but we've all decided to change it. And I don't, I don't understand why. No, this it's very so strange good going on. In, we could be so good in this country. Like, I feel sorry for Ethan, Ethan Rolf in our team. Eden Rolf. Eden Rolf, yeah. 13 games you had to miss out. Over, because you get banned under 18s for two games because the scheduling is not very good, in all due respect. And he has to serve, miss 13 games between Chieftains, Warriors and under 18s. It's it does they don't look they don't understand it because 
You want kids to be better, mm. but give them a time penalty. You know, I'll tell you what. Yeah, your next game's two games served, 16 games missed, or 13 games missed, whatever it is. I'll tell you what, you miss five senior games, miss one under, and tell you what, still miss your two under 18 games, but you can come back after that amount of time. It's you want progression to happen in the country so we get better at the sport, but then you're delaying kids who want to be better and killing them off for a third of their season. It does yeah. it doesn't make sense. Which is going to turn them off the sport, isn't it, and send them over to rugby or football? Or of course it is. And at that age, it won't be either of them. It'll be turning them away from sport in general, mm. and then they'll be out doing what they want to do with their mates at the end of the day. Yeah, I know Dave Clapman is, is a name that's been brought up previously to it. I think that the sort of uh, credentials that they put up looking for a chair has actually written him out of it already. Well, it's, it's, it's just, you can't get it, can you? No. The so credentials about um... you're just not going to get it. Like my, my dad used to do the fixtures for the IHA. So he did all the way from, I think, no, he didn't do national. He did everything else. So you got national fixtures and seeded all the women's, all the juniors, everything. So I've obviously known the IHA for quite a while, like the board and all this sort of stuff via him. And you you can't. And you're saying that, it's like, how are you going to get all these volunteers? Because bear in mind, they are volunteers. I don't know if the chair is. I know Ken Taggart was paid back in the day. Yeah, the, the one they're advertising for now is reasonable business expenses. No, well, who's going to do a full-time job for reasonable business expenses? Yeah. Absolutely no one at the end of the day, and the amount of probably absolute rubbish you get from it, you're not going to do it. No. Let's be let's be honest, at the end of the day. Yeah, I don't know, if they seem to be just eating themselves from the inside out to, to the point of, of, of who knows what happens. Well, I don't know. Probably nothing, and it just keeps rolling on in this big mudslide, and nothing yeah. gets done. No, Why, which is not what... Not what the sport needs, because it's, as I said, it's progressing to becoming the most watched indoor sport in the country. The national teams are, are finally sort of sitting at the top table where they should belong, really. Yeah. Um, you know, we're looking at Olympic qualifiers coming in the next sort of 12 months as well for them, for them both, which um, I think is probably going to be what we need to give it, give it that other boost. Well, yes. At the end of the day, they should be just pushing for TV media now, uh, mainstream yeah. media. So if basketball can do it and we're competing with them, why can't we? Yeah, at the yeah. end of the day, I think because the the elite league haven't got a TV deal anymore, have they? It's all online. That's all they, online. They, every national league team does a stream. Yeah, um, it's something I'm trying to sort of find out how we can do for NIHL South One. Perhaps yeah. get it sponsored by someone or something, so that every club can have the same equipment to to be able to stream all their games live. Because it's not for the home fans. For the away fans. It's where we're all going. It's for the away fans who might not be able to travel two, three hours on a Sunday night or whatnot. Or people Great. like Damon Porter, all his family in Canada want to watch. Yeah, and, couldn't be more. Yeah, so, and I think that's what, what needs to happen. And But they don't seem to be focusing on that. They kind of just seem to be focusing on stuff that's not massively important. They need to get the fundamentals right. Like any business, you have certain fundamentals you need to get right. Yeah. You need to get everything right. Fit that, fixtures. Everything from fixtures right through to the department of player safety. Get this all right first. You know, your development of how you want your kids to come through in the pathway. Get this all right. And then at the end of the day, if you're a chairman and you're just a manager, you don't do. You just manage and you look over things. 
And that's what he needs to do. He needs to get the people in below him to run these certain areas where, yeah, he probably could if he knew the right people. But who knows? Who knows? We Media might... needs to come into it to increase popularity, you know, but then that can lay on the club side. You know, if if the club's media is not very good or, you know, their action in the local community is not very good, they're not going to have a strong crowd. Mm. And um, I think that's something we've seen a good uptake in this year. I think uh, Oxford City Stars social media stuff has been brilliant. Uh, the Invicta Dynamo stuff is really good as well. Yeah, they, 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 are, they are good. They yeah. are good. And it certainly brings more eyes and more bodies in, which, as you say, is exactly what, what it needs. No, definitely. That's what the whole sport in total needs. Um, will it work? It's a matter of time, isn't it? The owners yeah. or the the people running the clubs have to allow it time to see what comes through the door at the end of the day. You can't just give it a rest after two weeks because you've got no fan response. You know what I mean? The big teams in football haven't done it over a year, uh, over a month period. They've done it over years at the end of the day. A really good one is um, the Newcastle thing on um Amazon. Amazon Prime. And it shows oh, yeah. you like this this is our this is our 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 reach and it's absolutely atrocious. But then over the year they've got it massive. Yeah. And that's the way that the owners and people have got to think about it. And without that, it will never grow. No. So, there was a I don't know if you saw it on Amazon, there's a all or nothing with the Toronto Maple Leafs that was done from the, the COVID year. Yeah. And I mean I I honestly think there's there's thousands of of fans of hockey of this level in this country. Yep. And if we if we had some sort of behind the scenes documentary with a team of art like Chelsea's level, everyone yeah. would watch it. Everyone would watch it. It'd be a good laugh for anyone. But even not even our level, all the leagues above. Yeah, yeah. It. It's just a fun place to be around. You know, sometimes it's rubbish, but a lot of the time it's it's wicked. <laughs> That's why we go there. Yeah. The reason we go training, the reason we go to games. You know, it's it's a it's a good environment, a good fun environment to be around. Well, with the um, as I've got a, my final question here actually from from the listeners that every time you're you're on the ice when you play, you are 100 percent like a rocket every time. What, yeah. what was the inspiration behind you playing like that? Was it just how you learned to play? It's just what I believe in, and it's the biggest thing I'd say to any kid. There's no point of stepping on the ice if you're not going to try your hardest. Because mm. what's the point otherwise? It's like everything I do in life, I put every bit of effort I can into it. You know, if I go to the gym, I'm 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 not going till I'm done. If I go to work, I'm putting every bit of effort in till I'm done. So what's the point of going on the ice and not trying? Mm. I don't I don't physically. Otherwise, you're just wasting your time. You're only here once. Yeah, I'm, I'm exactly the same. You literally just described how I live my life there. I'm exactly the same. You're only here once, and the best thing I can say is I tried everything I've done mm. at the best I could do it. It's like last night. I didn't have a good game, but I still put my heart and soul into it because I weren't feeling well. Mm. But I'm not going to let it sink down. I've got people here. Like you say, fans come to watch you. So you, it's a bit of respect back to them. But it's the way I brought up as a kid. Like I've always been pushed and pushed and pushed to do the best that I can be. Not the best player on the earth, just the best that I can. And the only way you're doing that is by trying your hardest. You know, yeah, any, any of your them. kids into it? My eldest, he is a goalie 
just started being a goalie. He was a player for a few years, but he's 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 actually getting very good at karate now. So um, he's making all these squad teams and trainings every seems like every night and every weekend morning. So juggling that, and then my other boy, he plays it, but he's just doing it because it's a sport. You know, he's not so much into the sporting aspect. So we've always, I've always said like you've got to do a sport to a certain age, just so you, you know, it's communication with different children just then out of school. And um, the other one, he's just, he just, he's just started walking, but he's throwing a stick around the house. Yeah. You know. <laughs> so no, they're good. It's just yeah, it's just the way I believe you should play. That's the that's just my belief. You should play yeah. with your heart and soul. I've ne- I've never been the most skillful player, and even like banners on the wall. So I'm not the most skillful player, but I'll put my body on the line. I'll I'll blood for that. I'll bleed for the jersey. It doesn't bother me at all. Mm. You know, that, as you say, that's what fans really respect, isn't it? Yeah, I, I'll, I'll put any the jersey that I'm wearing is what I'd bleed for. You know, what I mean, as long as like you say, I'm looked after, I'm respected then I'll do everything in my possible power to play for that jersey. You know. Have you got a um sort of a top three pointers then for a young player coming through who, who wants to sort of make their way in the game? Have you got a top three pointers for them? Your diet is massive. Right? Your diet fundamental. So something I wasn't good on at first, like your skating ability. If you're good at skating, you know, you've got all your edges and whistles. So if you see like some of the best players across the league, like Anatnoff, for example, from Streatham. Hmm. He were now at the Beast. He was a figure skater for years before he played hockey. It's just so you can understand the edges of the blade. The skating is a great great um it is the best you can if you if you're a really good skater, you're always going to be good at hockey at the end of the day. You'll be able to beat players down the ice. And um Probably just just your, your mental looking after you mentally. If your body's saying no, it's saying no for a reason. Um, and it takes time to get if what you feel is is right is right and what's wrong is wrong, you know. But if you look after yourself, your body will look after you at the end of the day. Yeah, absolutely. But they're pretty much top three: your, your mental stability and like looking after your mental health and your diet and your skating ability for sure. Excellent. Mate, thank you so much for your time this evening. It's been an absolute pleasure that you, you joined me on the podcast. I, I was thrilled when you reached out and said that you was up for it. Yeah, no, it was, it's, been, it's been good. You know, I'm only time to settle into Chelmsford, get get used to it all, get back into the league and, you know, we're getting there now. We're getting yeah. on a roll. Yeah, we certainly are, mate. You've settled, you've settled in great. You're a fan favourite already. Um, so yeah. not everyone gets their own song that quickly, so. No, no, but I think it's the way I play. I get that, you know. Like you say, I put my heart and heart and soul into it, and that's all you can ask for at the end of the day. So uh, no, it's been a great, great welcome to the club. Let's see where the next couple of weeks takes us, really, or next couple of months. Yeah, I think we've already qualified for the semi-finals of the League Cup, so that's. Uh, Who do we draw? I don't even know. I think it's Slough and Ch- Chelmsford have qualified so far, and then I think it will be seeded on league position. I think. What does that mean? Isn't it like one to four? Or whatever those games are just start. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not entirely sure. They might then just draw who plays who? One plays one plays bottom of the seed? Whatever that means. Yeah, they might just draw it out of a hat, or it might be a highest team plays lowest team. It's Yeah. Fair we'll enough. Wait, we'll wait and see. See what the hat brings out and <laughs> find out. 
Love it. Alan Lack, thank you so much for your time, mate, and great luck for the rest of the season. You too. Have a lovely day. A massive thank you to Alan Lack for joining me. As I said before, we got so sort of lost away in just chatting that there was a few things I did forget to get to get from him, but he does write his little bit in the programme now for the Chelsea and Chiefs. We have the sort of the captain's view, so we always get a little bit of an insight into Alan from there. Uh, and of course, this weekend coming up is the charity game for the Chelsea Chieftains. They're at home to the Romford Buccaneers on a Sunday and they'll be raising funds for Aching Arms and for Lewis. If you want to know more about those charities, have a look back through the ZPG back catalogue. Uh, last season, I spoke to Mel Barkley from Aching Arms and I spoke to Bob McCurrell, the chairman of For Lewis, to find out what incredible charities they are and the uh, the truly tragic reasons behind their their coming about and why they're involved with the chieftains as well so yeah i do do go back and listen to those trigger warning they're, they're quite upsetting but they um they're certainly worth listening to to get the idea of what these two great charities are that the chieftains are helping on this sunday night uh from for raising the funds you can purchase the game worn jerseys they are being auctioned if you go to the Chancellor Chieftains Instagram page and the Facebook, there's a big picture there on how much each one is going to. Alan did say if his jersey gets to £2,000, he will shave his head on the ice after the game, of which there'll be plenty of people waiting to do that when we skate with the players after the game on Sunday. So go uh, check out the Chelsea Chieftains social media and check out those bids on the jerseys. And if you do want to want one, you can email the Chieftains to get your bid in on them. Um, and of course, like I said, if, you, if you're not really aware of the two charities that they're raising funds for, have a look back into last season's Zero Pucks Given. And there's a couple of episodes there with Aiken Arms and with Four Lewis as well. So thank you so much for listening. Thank you once again for, uh, to Alan for joining me. And we will see you next week where we've got all the match reports coming in. The first episode that comes out, that'll be episode 61 that comes out on Monday night or Tuesday morning. And then we will have a chat with Solent Devils giant Joe Llewellyn. So it'd be great to chat to Joe about his career, where he's played around the, the sort of the National Ice Hockey League and the National Ice Hockey League One, uh, and of course probably the you know the incident with Darcy Flanagan that erupted the whole Dops conversation. So we'll we'll be chatting with Big Joe about that. So one for the Solent Devils fans there. Thank you once again for listening, and I'll see you next time. Podcast Network.